Welcome to Women's Hot Topics. Ladies, this show is for you. Find clarity, discernment, and discover who you are in Jesus Christ, all while exploring the hot topics of the day. She's an evangelist, founder, and president of Him for Her Ministries, and she's here to tell it like it is. Your host, Shug Burry. What happened if you say what you want to say? Hey friends, how are you today? This is Shug Burry with Women's Hot Topics. And man, alive, do we have a hot topic today. I am so glad that you've joined us. Um, This has been from our audience listening. They want more information on what we were talking about. We have done a show in the past, and I did it with wonderful Miss Lisa Ingstrom. And it was on what people say and see right before they die. And we just thought it would be a natural progression to do this show now, which is on uh, near-death experiences or people who have died. What did they see? Some went to hell, some went to heaven, and they came back. What were they sharing with us? Now, before we get into all this fun topic, I want you to know that this topic is called, Is Hell and Heaven Real? Don't form your opinion or view based on the spectrum of these stories, but instead, let's begin to see the whole picture. Um, there's a commonalities between these stories, like there's a boundary and I couldn't go past it, or perhaps um, I couldn't come back after this point, or there's a view or a preview. And so much of what scripture has said, some of these people were never even aware of because they didn't read the Bible. They weren't sure. They didn't know. And then when they came back to tell a story, it was spot on with what scripture had said. Now, friends, did you know that over 20 million people in the USA have had some sort of a near-death experience where they claim to have died and to have come back. So to say this is a hot topic is an understatement, my friends, because I want you to hang in here. I want you to hear the stories. I want you to discover what we've discovered, and let's compare it to what Scripture says. I've invited Lisa Ingstrom, yay, to come back on again, (laughs) Lisa. Would you please tell us a little bit about yourself for our friends? Ah, Shug, it's good to be back. Thanks for having me. I'm a friend of Shug's. And um, I'm also, I used to be in the news broadcasting industry. I had a, I was a reporter and I was an anchor for probably about 20 years. And then I left to, uh, to adopt our, for our second son. And um, just that's when I found Jesus. That's when I became saved. And um, now I like to talk about the good news and uh, share that with people. That's what's most important to me. And in Bible studies, leading studies, walking alongside women, talking about stuff like this, because it just, I'm so hope-filled after looking at all the information we're going to be talking about today, um, I don't think you can leave without being encouraged to look at your Bible and to, to believe that there's, there's some really awesome things in store for us. You know, it is so, so cool. Right on. And I'm so glad you're here with me, Lisa. This is such a fun Thanks. topic. Now, remember, friends, uh, hello, we are not Bible scholars. We are two women who love Jesus Christ. Um, and we are hoping that this will spur on some excitement for you to think about that thin veil between us and the afterlife. Uh, and I got to tell you, there is an afterlife. So listen up, people, because I want you to understand it. Um, and so, Lisa, there was a woman um, that really was rather spectacular. Her story is unbelievable. And she's a doctor and she's super smart. And her name is Dr. Mary Neal. Would you share a little bit with us about the first story we have for you today? Yeah, listen to this. Not only is she a doctor, she's an orthopedic surgeon. And uh, in 1999, her and her husband took a trip to South America to go on a kayak trip. They were, they're good kayakers. And the last day of the trip, she goes in this area where there's a lot of waterfalls. There's drops of 10 to 20 feet. She takes the first main drop and she gets shoved in between some rocks and stuck underneath the water. The force of the water was coming over her. She couldn't even move her arms. She felt her, being an orthopedic surgeon, she said, I think my femurs just broke. Her oh knees went forward. Awful. Um, so she's under the water. And she says, this is, I'm going to read what she said. At that moment, she was, um, she had the, the only thing she could do was to pray. And she said, God, let your will be done. And she said she meant that prayer. And she felt at that very moment, a physical sensation of being held, comforted, and that everything was fine. She knew under the water. Were, she's under the water. Under God's will water. be done. She's feeling. Yep. She had no desire for that that gasping for air. She had none of that. She felt absolutely at peace. And she said, "Your will be done." And she felt this reassurance. And she did, felt like that reassurance was actually Jesus Christ holding her and reassuring her. 
Um, so the force of the water made that rescue effort really hard. Um, friends couldn't get to them and um, neither could the rescuers. It turned into what they thought was a body recovery. I mean, she'd been under there for like 15 to 25 minutes. Um, but she mm. said she felt more alive at that point than at any other time, more alive in her body and in her spirit. And at that moment, she said she felt her spirit as the rescue workers were coming after her. She felt her her spirit rise above her body and she was met by a group of heavenly beings and they were overjoyed. I've thought about this all week. They, they were overjoyed to meet her and they, she felt like they had known, she knew that they had known her all her life and she had known them. And as long as she has existed and she knew they were sent by God and they took her down a path that was beautiful and brilliant to a great dome structure exploding with the love of God beyond anything else. She couldn't even describe it. Um, and she could hardly um, wait to, to be there, to stay there. She had the sensation of being home and, and she, like she belonged. And then all of a sudden there was this great sense of disappointment with everybody around her. And the spirits told her it wasn't time. She had to go back and she had work to do. It wasn't her time yet. Um, then she saw the rescue happening. She found herself reunited with her body and um, she said that um, she was gone for probably 15 to 25 minutes longer than medical science would say you could recover from something like that and it was enough of an experience for her to write a book called um, Heaven and Back and she said what stuck out to her the most was that God's love what she felt in those moments and that it had changed her for eternity. What about you, Shug? What, what stood out in that story? Well, I love that story. I, I watched her interview and it just spoke to me. You know what I loved is at the moment where you feel like you should be panicking, like you said, and I can't breathe. And oh my gosh, I'm gasping for air. Her huh. words, her knee-jerk comment was God's will be done. And wouldn't it be great, Lisa, if we could all live that way? God, your yeah. will be done. I mean, we're not taking our hands, you know, completely off. We're trusting in the Holy Spirit and what he does. But um God's will be done. And I think that was so cool that she did that. And then that she felt his arms around her mm -hmm. under that water as it's rushing over her. You know, her kayak is stuck up and down and all the water's rushing. Then, like you said, she was able to hover over her body. Now, uh, uh, several of these near-death experiences, they've said that where I saw people working on me. Um, uh, there was another uh, interview that I had done a while back. Um, and he had shared that as well. He died three times on the operating table, Jim Peterson, you guys should look it up. It was a great show. And, but yeah. people feel this, like they feel something's going on in their life and they're able to, you know, almost leave their body and look down. Um, but you know what I just think the most is that she had said um, during that interview that she wasn't thinking of anything of the afterlife or, or, or her family or her kids. She was just so much in the presence of this love this overwhelming love. And and then Lisa, like you had said too, the people met her. People that she knew had met her at the pearly gates. Like there was no surprise that she was going to be there. Um, and I love that. But then everybody was disappointed because she had to leave the party and come back. Yeah, right. And she didn't really get this, get a say in whether she got to stay or not. Mm -hmm. She was told. And so that kind of lines up with the sovereignty of God in the scripture. Absolutely. In charge of who gets to stay, and it also lines up. Ecclesiastes, um, I think it's twelve seven, says, um, "And the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it." So it seems as though her spirit was um, maybe lining up a little bit with scripture there, and that it was in another place, not quite where, you know, where it was meant to be in the end. But um, yeah, I um, I'm fascinated by it. I love I love what she said. How you, and I didn't say this, but she said it in, in the interview, um, how you view death changes the way you view, you live your life. Mm -hmm. And I think that that really, that and those people greeting her that was so happy and joy-filled. I mean, just the atmosphere of, of that realm, um, wherever that is, you know, is it the immediate heaven that she's talking about or is it a different place? I don't, I don't know. But just that, that joy that permeates and that love. Um, that's, that was encouraging to me. It gives me something to smile about today. And, you know, as and, a doctor, she went and started to analyze her death. You know, she, yeah. she started to research, you know, what happens when you stop breathing for this length of time? Or what are some of the auras or something that might happen physically to your body? And she said there was no question, this was heaven. 
Like she yeah. knew she felt that she had died and she was in the presence of those that were welcoming her. And, and she does say too, that, you know, her whole entire life now is based off of that experience, telling other people not to fear death. And that uh, there's a lot of love there because of Jesus Christ. So it's a cool story. Yeah. It was a great story. You know, yeah. we can talk about heaven and Jesus and love and all that wonderful stuff. But you know, what I want you to understand is that hell is real. And I don't want you to think that um, it, there's just heaven and there's all good things. There's a lot of people, Lisa, do you know a lot of people don't even believe in hell? Like they don't even think it exists. Yeah. And there's actually a theology that's kind of popular right now that teaches that. Yeah. That and that's sad. You know, I can ask any of my mentees, um, him for her ministries. We have a mentee program where we help women leaving prison. And I can tell you, they said, I've had a glimpse of hell, whether it be mm -hmm. in those drug houses and the gutters and the streets when you're high, you know, whatever, just that darkness that, that is there. But I want you to understand that hell is real. And so, Lisa, I just want to share, both of us, just share a little bit about what does the Bible say about hell? What is it? Uh, and, and what are some of the descriptions that are used? Yeah, well, um, <clears throat> let's see. There's a lot of them. Matthew 13, 50 says it's a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Second Thessalonians, this is the scary one to me, really scary. The Second Thessalonians 1, 9. They will suffer punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. God is nowhere near. You're separated from him. Um, Revelation 20.15 says, and if anyone's name was not found in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. And that's, that's humbling, isn't it? Um, yeah. You know, the book of life is those people that have said yes to Jesus Christ, who have accepted him. And we're going to get into a little more detail on that later. But your name is written in the book. Isn't that super cool? Like your place yeah. is already set in heaven. And so if you die and you see Christ face to face and your name is not written in that book and he's saying, get away from me. I don't know you. Who are you? Uh, of course, mm. that's my my variation of it. And, mm. um, you know, that's the part that you've got, we got to be concerned about. And I think what's important to know, too, is when we talk about hell, hell is a separation from God. And, you know, friends. You might be saying, I don't believe in God. I'm already separated from God. No, you're not separated from God. What I want you to know is that God is with us every single day. His presence is with us. Um, you're breathing. You're living in this beautiful environment. But when you go to hell, it is complete torment. Um, and it's self-torment because you willingly decided to reject God. You worship your own God, which is basically yourself, friends. Um, if you don't believe in Jesus Christ and the power of hell is real. It is a real place, but nothing is compared to God's power in our life. God has overcome even hell itself in hell. They get what they want, which is life away from God. And scripture goes into much more detail on that. Do you have anything else to add to that, Lisa? Yeah. Well, there's a story in the Bible where Jesus kind of pulls back the the curtain on hell. He was teaching on something completely, you know, different. He was teaching about um, the abuse of wealth, but you know, there was a, a, a rich man who played the ultimate fool by luxuriating in his own wealth and ignoring the needs and the truth of God and service to others. And he found himself in hell for that godless selfishness. And um, the way Jesus describes it is, it is, it's an absence from him and it's final. Um, Luke 16, 19 through 26. You want me to read it? Yeah. Okay. So there was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate, a poor man named Lazarus covered with sores who desired to be fed and with what fell from the rich man's table. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried and in Hades being in torment. He lifted up his eyes and he saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, child, remember that in your lifetime you received good things and Lazarus in the same manner received bad things. But now he's being comforted here and you're in anguish. And besides all this between us, you, besides all this between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed. That's like saying in concrete. 
in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able and none can cross from here to there. That whole passage speaks to the immediacy of, of where you are, either in heaven or in hell. Um, Jesus, the guy, you know, said to the guy on the cross, today you're going to be with me in paradise. Today, it wasn't like, you know, in a, in a certain period of time. So uh, I just think that you're conscious in hell and in heaven. And you're um, there. it happens very soon after you, you pass. Mm-hmm. So that's all I have to say. Well, there's a lot on this topic. And, you know, people often ask, I don't know if you've heard this, Lisa, where they'll say, uh, you know, why did God create hell or where did hell come from? And, you know, I want you to know when you read scripture, it says hell was created for the rebellion, rebellion, friends, of Satan and angels. Uh, Matthew 25, 41 speaks to this as, as well as elsewhere in the Bible. But, you know, your question shouldn't be when was hell created? Why was it created? Who goes there, et cetera? But how to avoid going to it, friends? I mean, I think that's the biggest, most important thing. Um, And there was a guy, and his name is Carl Knight. And his next story that I'm going to share with you is amazing. Um, And he starts out his whole interview with, hell is real. Hell is real. Um, And he said, like the Bible says, you are in torment. And even though um, Carl had this experience several years ago he was able to draw these vivid pictures of exactly in his head what he felt he saw when he went to hell and you could see the pictures of these people whose arms are coming up out of this burning fire and they're asking for help and everything else and they're they're, you know just being tormented in a terrible way and he said um, the one in the middle is trying to get out of the fire but there's no way they can get out there's no hope for them there's no way of escape for them and Carl did grow up in a Christian home where he'd been taught that heaven and hell were real places even as a child he was sensitive to the things of God and he said I always felt the presence of God I've seen angels of God at a young age this is what he claims and that let me know they let me know that they that God was with me After high school, Carl joined the army and married, and both his marriage and his military career were short-lived. Carl says that the platoon leader um, and the sergeant and squad leader would come to him and say, you're not doing your job. Uh, You should be doing better than this. You're not going to ever make it to the next rank. You know, they're they're giving a hard time. And you know, your career is going to end is what they were telling him. So he got really frustrated, Carl did. And Carl decided it was time to get out of the army. So he went AWOL. He hitchhiked to Ohio to see an old friend, and he then went on a two-week drug binge. And one night, this is where I want you guys to listen up. One night, Carl went to a crack house in the worst part of Columbus, Ohio. He said, you could smell the stench of the crack cocaine. You can smell the stench of the marijuana. People were high and leaning all across the floors. And what I want you to notice, friends, is when he talks about the stench, scripture talks about the stench of hell. And I have been in some prisons where the smell was so terrible in Africa um, that you swore you were in hell. So I want you to know there's a smell to hell. There is an atmosphere. There is a a torment. There is um, an unquenchable fire. And he said you could smell it in that uh, crack house. And he smoked some crack and he started drinking alcohol and using other drugs. But he says he believes it was the last pill he popped that took him on his journey to hell. And Carl remembers that I took that Valium and before I knew it, I fell off the sofa and onto the floor. And it was a pitch black dark. He describes it as a black like he had never seen. There's nothing he's ever seen darker. And he says, I began to quiver. I began to have the shakes. I began to go down, 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 down in a deep pit. And I started smelling the stench of hell. It's the most rottenest thing you could ever smell in your life. In fact, you can't even imagine it, he says. I began to feel feel a tugging and a pulling. Like the Bible says, the demons tug and nag at you. They were calling my name. We got you. We got you. We got you. You belong to us now. He said, I saw souls, lost souls that were in torment in the lake of fire. And they were crying and calling on God. They were hopeless. And I called on the Lord at that moment. Jesus, Jesus, help me, Jesus, help me, Jesus. And as soon as I called on 
his name. I literally saw the hand of God snatch me out of hell and my spirit was placed back into my body. Carl says that he was in hell for more than a half an hour. He said I was shaking and trembling and I turned my head to the right and I looked at them and they said I was dead for 30 to 35 minutes. But I know, I know, he said, that it was a loving God that loved me so much. Three days later, Carl returned um, to Virginia to face the consequences of going AWOL. He was demoted and was confined to the barracks for one month. And during that one month time, he used it well. He completely surrendered his life to Jesus Christ. And he said, I immediately asked the Lord to forgive me. And I repented and I put those sins behind me. And I went forward in God. Friends, I want you to know there's hope. There is hope. And I want you to know, you don't know the day that you're going to go. You don't know when uh, death is going to be at your door. And there is not a second chance where you're like, okay, I changed my mind. I think I'm going to believe in you now, God. And so I think that's so important that he repented. He used that time well. Now, Carl is on a mission to tell as many people as he can about the reality of heaven and hell. And these were his last words, Lisa. I loved what he said. He said, God loved me so much that he gave me a second chance. And I'm here to tell a story, not a story, but a true testimony of how awesome God is if people will only listen. Listen up, friends, and don't take God for granted. Don't throw your life away. Accept Jesus as your Savior. Wow, powerful story. Amen. Wow, that is a powerful story. And just how compassionate of God to warn us, of Jesus to warn us about hell. He's not sending anybody to hell. He warned us. He bridged the gap. He went to the cross and died and rose so that we wouldn't have to go. He gave the escape route. And all we have to do is, is take it. What a and you made story. a good point. He's not sending us to hell. We're choosing hell. That's what yeah. the deal. We're choosing hell over the righteousness and the beauty of God. Yeah. Yeah. And he warned us about it. And that's loving. And that's mm -hmm. compassion. Yeah. Thanks for that story. That's good. Well, there's several things that we need to note about that, <clears throat> about heaven and hell and, and some of the things that he talked about. Um, was there anything that stood out to you that you wanted to share from hearing that story, Lisa? Well, I just love the, he, he, uh, the sensations of it. Um, I think it was probably a vision. You know, I'm not sure he actually, in my mind, I don't think he actually descended. There isn't a lake of fire right now, but maybe it was a vision of what's to come if you don't snap out of it. And I think he's a loving God to warn them that way. Um, but not everybody gets that warning. Um, so I, I'm glad that he's talking about it. And I love that he felt Jesus reaching down, grabbing him out and setting him on a firm foundation. You know, um, what hope there is. That's, I just, I love salvation stories. <laughs> People see in the light. I do That's too. A, yeah. And sometimes we have to hit our bottom before we reach up. Yeah. What stuck out to you? You know, there was, there were several things that I noticed um, that, you know, hell is real. I do believe it. Uh, I do believe that possibly he did have a glimpse, a vision, uh, you know, whatever that situation might have been. Like I said, uh, we don't put 100% weight into the stories as much as we want to weave the story in with what scripture says. And so scripture does say that fire is not quenched in hell. Mark 9, uh, 44 says that. And that there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, which you had already mentioned, Lisa, um, and that we're cast into outer darkness. Remember, he talked about how dark it was and the stench and the smell. Um, and I think that's a place of torment. Luke 16 talks about it. Um, so I think we need to keep that in the forefront of our minds, not out of fear, but out of what the option is. If you say yes to Christ, why wouldn't you? Really, I don't understand why someone would not say yes to Jesus Christ, where we have the opportunity to have our sins forgiven. Uh, Lisa, if you would for a minute, I know you're going to know where I'm going with this. Would you share with us why we can't be yoked with a holy God when we're in our sin? I think we all forget the holiness of God. He is a perfect, holy God. No sin in him. And um, we started out created um, perfectly, but sin came into the picture. We wanted to be our own. Adam and Eve wanted to be their own God. They wanted to, they doubted what God was saying. Um, and they chose sin, and that has infected all of us. And so we are all born, as good as we think we are, 
you know, whether you lied or you thought a bad thought or whatever, it's all sin. It separates us. It misses the mark from God's perfect, holy, um, holy state that we need to be in. So in his love, he, um, we need to be perfect to see him, to be with him. And he does that by sending somebody perfect to cover us with his righteousness. So that when we do receive Jesus, God looks down and he sees the blood of Jesus that we've received over us. He sees that beautiful white robe and he knows that those are mine. Um, and so he sees, he sees perfection when we have Jesus. But until then, he, we're all just, we're all, our destination, our default destination is hell. And, um, but Jesus in his love and in his compassion, he made a way, a bridge. Um, he's given us a beautiful white robe to wear, not our perfection, not our righteousness, but his. And that's what God sees. Does that, does that work? Does that make sense? Amen. Yes, it does. You mm -hmm. said it really well, too. Um, you know, we did a show with Marie Comfort called Hell's Best Kept Secret. And we'll have mm -hmm. that in the notes. Um, we're on YouTube, by the way, friends. So look us up. Um, and so we'll have that in the notes of the show number so you can see what it was. But I'm going to give you a two-second synopsis. It's exactly what you said, but I love the way in Hell's Best Kept Secret, what Ray, the way Ray Comfort shares it. It's so easy to understand. And so you can use this at any dinner party, anywhere you go. Um, and, you know, as, as the topic of Hell and Heaven happen to come up, which they do from time to time, you can even say, hey, I just listened to the show on it. Him for her radio, Women's Hot Topics, uh, with Shugbury and Lisa Engstrom. And, mm -hmm. um, it, you know, you can just start to share about what you learned and what you heard. But this is the way it looks. So it's very common and fun to go up to somebody and say, um, okay, let's talk about heaven and hell. And I mean, do you know where you're going to be going? No, I don't know. You know, it's very common. They'll say, no, I'm not sure where I'm going, heaven or hell. Okay, well, let's just put this to the test. Do you consider yourself a good person? And that person will probably say, yeah. In fact, I've used this illustration on death row in Africa. And, you know, these guys are, are, are hilarious, actually. Surprisingly, they're funny. And they're like, they're like, yeah, I'm a good person. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, you're on death row here, people. Let's think about this. And <laughs> do you consider yourself a, death, a, a good person? Yeah, I'm a good person. Okay, well, let's put that to the test. Um, you know, there's something called the Ten Commandments where God asks us to follow the Ten Commandments based on his holiness, because that's really the plumb line, friends, of who God is. So let's just put that to the test. Have you ever lied before? Yeah, I've lied before. Okay, if you've lied before, what are you called? A liar. Okay, so by your own words, you're a good person, but you are a liar. He goes, well, yeah, maybe once or twice I've lied. Have you ever <laughs> stolen anything? Let's ask that second question. Uh, yes. No, uh, I don't think I've stolen anything. Okay, well, you just told us you're a liar, so I'm not sure if you've stolen something or not. And we all start laughing. Okay, so <laughs> the third thing is, if, and I'll back to the second thing. If you've stolen something, you're called a thief, right? Thief. So now you're a lying thief. Okay, have you ever used the Lord's name in vain, like sworn and 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 used it against God? Oh, yes, I have. He go, and I said, that's called blasphemy. And I said, so really, you're a blaspheming, stealing liar. And according to your words, you're a good person. So let's see how we're doing on that. And when Jesus sees you face to face, when you die, because you will see him face to face, I want you to imagine you're looking at God. On YouTube, you guys can see my hands. But... Um, I want you to imagine you're looking at God face to face on your day uh, that you have passed and you're looking at him and he's looking at you through the lens of his holiness, which is his purity, which is his goodness. And he can't be with you. If you're a lying, thieving, blasphemer, he cannot be. You're going to hell, girl. Um, and you're just going there. That's just what happens. But if you have invited Jesus into your life, this is the part I want you to get. His son who came to die for us, for our sins, took our punishment, our death row punishment, and laid it on himself so that we could have what's called righteousness, where we could have him cover us. So when we're looking at God face to face, he's not seeing us as our lying, thieving blasphemers. He's seeing us as Jesus Christ. Because when you say yes to Jesus, this is what happens. The Holy Spirit comes and lives in us and he guides us and he protects us and he comforts us. There's three persons to the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
And I want you to know that when God looks at you face to face on that day, he's going to see Jesus Christ and not your sin and not your past, but he's going to be loving on you and say, welcome home, good and faithful servant. Amen. Amen. So Lisa, I've used that story many times and it works. It's effective. People hear it. Um, but most yeah. of all, what they want to do is that they need to make a decision. You know, it's one thing to hear the story, but it's, you got to go for the clothes, friends. You got to go for the clothes and say, what would you like to do? Do you want to go to heaven or to hell? And, mm -hmm. and there's nothing wrong with asking that point blank. Really friends, that's why we're here. We're here to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And all these stories we're sharing with you are evidence as it points to, to scripture of what God talks about um, when it comes to hell and heaven. How did that speak to you, Lisa, when you hear about hell's best kept secret and that technique to share with others? Yeah, I think, you know, there's lots of tools in the toolbox um, that God will use. And I think there are some people who um, who think they are, they're good to go. And, you know, they, uh, they, they're not like that guy. You know, not, I didn't do that. And that's probably good enough. And they really don't, they don't even have any insurance. And um, so that might jar some, might bring them to reality of, you know, how, what, what does it really look like? I mean, when you're thinking about a holy God, we know what happened in Isaiah. He fell on his face. He knew he was a pretty awesome dude, Isaiah, not, not full of a whole lot of sin. It didn't look like, and uh, he fell on his face and said, I'm a man of unclean lips. I mean, when you're in front of God, it's a whole different um, gauge system. <laughs> you know, our, we're just we're just not good enough. So I would think that that would um, would bring some people to the realization that they need God and they need yeah. to change, and they're not and good enough. So many of them think I'm just fine. I'm good. I'm a, I'm a good person. But when you hold it up to what God's word is, um, and and His holiness, we cannot be yoked with Him. That's what it. We, Yoke's kind of an old-fashioned term, but we can't be connected with him. He is holy, we are not. And we need that covering and invitation of Christ in our life in order to be united with him and have it. Get that name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I think that's what's right. important. Amen. You know, what I noticed, Lisa, about some of these stories, a couple things, um, is they talked about color. Color mm. that was unimaginable. Like they can't even describe the colors they saw in heaven because it wasn't colors like we have here on earth. And, you know, I'm sitting here in Florida right now, friends. You know, my husband and I are on the road traveling in our RV interviewing people. And I'm looking outside. It looks like Hawaii. The colors, <laughs> the green, not so much like in Minnesota where you get a lot of snow today, but just the colors and the green and how beautiful it is. So I'm thinking to myself, can you imagine with all these colors here that we are actually able to see that there's colors we have never seen maybe that are up in heaven. And the other thing I noticed, Lisa, I don't know if you did too, is about people meeting them at the gates. Who are you hoping Lisa to see at the pearly gates the day you pass? Me? Oh my goodness. I want to see my mom and dad, but most of all, I want to see Jesus. I just want to experience that, that love that everybody's talking about that we can't even imagine. Yeah. What about you? Ooh. Well, you know, I hate to say it, uh, you know, besides Jesus, number one, Uno, because if I see him, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm going in the right direction. <laughs> but I really miss my dog, Buster. Isn't that terrible? I love he died early. My little uh, pit bull, Buster. And I hope he comes loping. And I, I do, you know, there's a whole conversation right there. Do dogs go to heaven? Uh, but I'm looking forward to him loping down heaven gates to greet me and lick my face. And as I see my family and my relatives and everybody else. Uh, but yeah. it's just fun to imagine and think about um, yeah. Have you ever heard of that guy's name named Don Piper? I have. I have. And he's got an incredible story. Yeah, he does. He wrote a book um, and it's called 90 Minutes in Heaven. And do you mind if I just take a minute and share a little bit about his story? Oh, please do. It's a good one. It is super cool. It's super cool. Okay. So Don Piper did not know that January 18th, 1989 would be his last day on earth. He was on his way home from Trinity Pines Conference Center, 80 miles north of Houston. Don was preaching at his church that evening. And 10 minutes after he left the conference, he drove on a bridge across Lake Livingston. An 18-wheeler truck came from the opposite direction, um, going 65 miles an hour. He was going 40 miles an hour in his Ford Escort. And this 18-wheeler comes wheeling around and smashes into his Ford Escort killing him instantly. Don was pronounced dead by four sets of EMTs. 
And shortly after the accident, a pastor, uh, Dick Onrecker, arrived on the scene and asked if he could pray for the man in the accident. He didn't know who he was at the time. He didn't know who was in the car in the accident. The officer told Dick that the man under the tarp was deceased. And Dick insisted on praying for the man anyway. Do you see how God pulled this guy named Dick up to pray mm -hmm. in the circumstances? God uses all of us in these situations. But he was warned that the body was badly mangled. The Lord impressed upon Don to pray specifically for no head and no internal injuries. Now, remember, the MTs told him that this guy's dead, but he's praying for his head and no internal injuries. While Dick prayed fervently, Don was experiencing... Now we're fast forwarding to where Don is inside of the car. Don is experiencing the glories of heaven. Just as suddenly mm -hmm. as Don arrived at the gates of heaven, he left them. In his first moment of consciousness back on earth, Don recalls singing along with Dick. Because the guy who's outside of his car praying for him started to sing, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Unfortunately, Don's time in heaven did not take away from his earthly suffering. He had a long road back to health. Pain became my constant companion, he says. And for a long time, I would not know what it was like to hurt all over my body, recalls Don. Miraculously, get this, he had no head or internal injuries. He spent more than 100 days in the hospital with painful treatments and physical disabilities. To this date, Don has had 34 surgical procedures. His ability to walk was nothing short of a miracle. And sometimes I ask God, why wasn't I just allowed to stay in heaven? Mm -hmm. And he says, I have no answer for that. But I've learned, however, that God brings people into my life that need me or need to hear my message, says Don. Okay, now he, he just gave us the the 365-mile-high view of what happened. Now, I'm going to get into a few of the details of what happened in his accident. Um, he remembers driving on the bridge. Next moment, he knows he's in heaven. So he's looking at the semi. Boom. Then he's in heaven. And his scripture... Jesus said to the robber, today you and I will enter paradise. So I do believe that that happens. Um, it, heaven, was perfect. And I knew I had no needs and never would again, Don says. The light, the texture, the beauty, the tones surpassed anything he had ever seen. For the celestial greeting committee to the myriad mm -hmm. of sounds, Don says heaven was like a first class buffet of the senses. I love that he said that. A first-class buffet for the senses. It felt more real than anything he'd ever experienced before. And since his brief trip to heaven, Don says a single day has not passed in which he hasn't felt an intense longing to go back. After his accident, Don says his perspective changed on many things, including heaven. Although he had read about heaven in the Bible and heard sermons on it, everything changed when he experienced it. Heaven ceased to be a possibility for me and became a reality. Heaven is now my reality, he says. Not the life I now live on earth, shares Don. He loves his life here with his family, his friends, but since the accident, he now lives closer to the heavenly reality. He says, I am truly blessed to have had the opportunity to be at the gates of heaven. It was an incredible gift that profoundly impacted my life then and continues to impact me just as strongly as today. He said, I recall the first conscious moment after the crash. I was enveloped. I love that word, enveloped, Lisa. It's kind of like I'm enveloped with pure, intense, brilliant light. And this is a commonality uh, that you'll hear other people say when they've died and come back. Um, and like Jim Peterson had shared, he saw this ribbon of light um, the three times that he died on the operating table. But he says, I was enveloped by a pure, intense, brilliant light. The luminescence wasn't from the sun or the moon. Heaven has no need for either. He says it was through a powerful, he said it was powerful. Don says he was able to gaze at the brilliance without having to look away. And there was a welcoming committee. <laughs> you know, I always love a party. A welcoming committee. People who helped Don get to heaven or who encouraged him to pursue a Christian life were at the gates of heaven. So Lisa, can you imagine that anybody that maybe you had an impact on or they had an impact on your life and your faith were there waiting for you with arms open? I love mm. that. He said they were there um, because they had helped Don get to heaven or encouraged him to pursue a Christian life. They were there at the gates. Although I didn't see him, I knew once inside I would be with him. And him has got a capital H, so I believe he's talking about God. Don says angels were everywhere. Oh, can you imagine, Lisa? Angels were everywhere. I would love that. Oh my gosh, I have so many questions. 
all were magnificent beings, he said. Some had multiple wings, others had two wings, uh, still others appeared without wings. And Don says his soul was flooded with music. Wouldn't that be mm. cool to have your soul flooded with music? Despite mm -hmm. what seems to be thousands of songs being offered up simultaneously, there was no chaos, he says. He was already getting ready to enter the pearly gates and everything stopped. Now, you know how I talked about earlier that a lot of these stories have boundaries, like you couldn't go any farther. Uh, right. and, and this is what he is saying. He goes, um, he was getting ready to enter the gates and everything stopped. Instantly, Don was in utter darkness and complete silence. Can you imagine after all that beauty, now you're in darkness right. and silence. And out of the void, he heard a voice. The voice was singing. Oh, I'm going to cry. What I know. a friend we have in Jesus. <laughs> And Don later found out it was the preacher who stopped to pray for him. And immediately Don says he was back on earth, his body shattered and unrecognizable. Oh, why didn't God let me stay? He said, why did I have to return to earth? And Don asked himself before the pain set in. But he believes for the past 30 years that God brought him back to earth so he could confirm to all. Friends, that's you. Confirm to all who will listen that heaven is real. And to tell the world Jesus is the only way to heaven. Man. Wow, that's powerful. I'm just in awe. Yeah. I'm just in awe. I'm in awe of that preacher, too. To come on a scene and think to do that. And be led mm -hmm. to do that. Just to, to pray. And to uh, sing like that. Well, and can you imagine? You're driving by. You see this massive wreck. You know, you know, it's a it's a deadly wreck because they're waiting for the coroner to come and pronounce him dead. That's why it took a while. Um, yeah. And and then you have this urgency. You guys pay attention to those urgencies. Have you ever had that, Lisa? We felt God was prompting you to do something. Absolutely. Absolutely. And in my, in my reporting days, for sure, I've stumbled on um, or we've happened upon a lot of really terrible accidents um, that we ended up reporting on and knocking on the doors of people who've lost their loved ones and drunk driving accidents and just him prompting me to reach out in love. Um, but I, what that preacher did, um, I've, I've never been prompted to do something like that. And what and they've I already said, he's dead. Three people, yeah. three EMT yeah. says, no, he's pronounced dead, but yet he wants to pray for his internal organs in his brain. Wow. That's God. Yeah. And can you imagine that this person was in heaven and he came back to your voice? Well, that would be sad in my case, but to come <laughs> back to your voice singing and that really make him want to go back. <laughs> I know he'd probably, did I go to hell? That's what they'd be saying if I was singing, but no, I just think that's super. I love these stories. They're so cool. Yeah. Um, now friends, there's stories that we hear like from people that are relatively famous, like Don Piper and um, Dr. Mary Neal. And, but there's local stories too. Um, and Blair, my husband and I have been on the road and, and it's amazing the God appointments we end up having where all of a sudden you're somewhere and you're visiting with somebody and I'm saying, we're going to do a near death experience story on the radio show coming up. I got a story and they start to share or this happened to my relative and they started to share. And so really some of my favorite interviews are the ones we do on the road with Sugbury. And I've got two for you coming up right now. Hey friends, if you're on YouTube with us, you can see in the background that I have changed my seating from inside to outside. Why? Because we are on the road uh, with Sugbury, Blair and I, we're on the road and we're discovering new faces and new friends and new people. And, and the God appointments that we've had have been just amazing. And so I can't wait to introduce you to Sherry Reese. Sherry, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Now, the reason I asked Sherry to come on is that we were at a social gathering together and um, we were talking about shows that we got coming up um, on the radio at uh, Women's Hot Topics. And so she said, oh, my gosh, I have a story to tell you and I don't want to spoil it and, and tell you, but this is a local story. I want you guys to listen in because it's amazing. Do you mind, Sherry, telling us your story? I don't mind at all because I was meant to share a very young girl, obviously a lot younger than now, about 24 years old, eight months pregnant with our son. And I had had premonitions of my life, even as a child, 
But this particular night, my phone rang at 2.30 in the morning, and I answered it, but no one was there. But somebody told me that my mother had died. And I woke my husband up, and he said, honey, the phone didn't ring. Of course, I was very upset and tried to just get on with my life from there. But about a week later, I was saying goodbye to friends from work. We we're having a lunch. And a higher spirit that I like to call the Lord said to me, I must leave and go to my mother. And I did. I did just what I was told. And I was terrified. I thought she was really ill. But when I got there, she was like an angel. She was full of life and right on top of things. And she wanted to go buy the baby a gift. And she wanted to go for a walk, which she never did. But we did all those things. And when I got into the car to leave, I gave her a kiss. And I looked her in the eye. And I just knew something. I knew something. And I, being so young, I just tried to pass it off. But the next, that evening, actually, my phone rang at 2.30 in the morning. And it was my sister telling me my mother had passed from heart attack. Wow. Yeah. It was pretty powerful. But I know that God gave me the strength because I was just like three weeks, two weeks from giving birth. And he gave me the strength to get through it. And I'm telling you, Shiv, it was the most heart-wrenching but uplifting thing for me to have that special last day with my mom was incredible. And she's been gone 47 years. <laughs> um, however, it didn't just stop there. I made it through the funeral with God's blessings. And I gave birth just a few weeks later, I guess. And I was on such a high. I was so happy, everything except 29 hours of labor. <laughs> but everything was good. And I went home and I was feeling so good. I was going up and down the steps with the baby. And all of a sudden I started to hemorrhage. And I called Jim in. And of course, we went to the hospital immediately. And from there, things just progressively got worse. And there was a moment when a nurse was pressing up my abdomen and I just felt everything from my body drain. It was blood, it was soul, it was like everything. And I started to lift up off that table and I was watching down above all the doctors and nurses helping me. And it was the most, I don't even know the word, surreal, lovely, blessing. I was so happy. I felt nothing. I heard nothing. But I felt this unbelievable lifting of peace. And I was ready. I was ready to go. Because it was lovely. And all of a sudden, I heard my mother's voice say, no, 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 no. It is not your time. It's wonderful here, but you have a baby and a family and you're too young. And the next thing I know, I had gone through some surgery. I woke up, Jim was there sobbing. He thought I was gone for sure. And my dad was there and he said, oh, thank the Lord. Thank the Lord that he didn't take both of you from me. And that is my story. I don't share it with many people because, you know, you know, people can be sure. But 
I have shared it with people I really, really feel need to hear it. And recently I shared it with my niece, who's 56 and has been diagnosed with terminal cancer. Mm, I'm sorry. Yeah, but she's she's special. God's got his hands on her shoulder. And when I told her the story, I didn't know if I should, but I just I let it go. And she started to cry, and I held her in my arms, and I said, oh, gosh, I hope I didn't upset you with this. And she said, no, you gave me something to look forward to. Mm. So that's my story. I love that. And, you know, friends, as you're listening, you know, she's suffering. She's in the hospital. I love the fact that God gave you a premonition through your grandmother as well. Um, and, but but to be in the hospital and, and feel oh. your body slipping away and hovering over your body, watching them work on you and then feel uh, just that heavenly peace that passes all understanding, which I know is from God because that's what scripture talks about. And he brought you back. Why? Because he wants to use this story to encourage all of you who are listening. And Sherry, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to come on and share your beautiful story. And I know it's precious to you and that you're select as to who you share it with. But we got to shout it from the mountaintops, friends. God yes. is alive and well and heaven is waiting for us. And all we have to do is receive Jesus in our life. Thank you so much, Sherry. Thank you, honey. And no fears. No fears. I love you so much. Say hi to Jimmy. Love Jean. you too. Okay. Hey, friends, as I told you, we got some local stories. And I know that we talked about national ones just a minute ago, but we have a local story, not only here in Florida, but here in my own backyard with Tammy Lane. Thank you, Tammy, for coming on. Happy to be here. So, Tammy, tell us a little bit about yourself first before we get into your story. Uh, I am married to a wonderful man, Randy. We have eight children, a uh, mixed family. That's a lot. Yeah, it's wonderful, wonderful chaos. They're all older, grown, married, and have their own children. So uh, I'm just here visiting in Florida for the for the winter, spending some time with Shook and having a good time. So we were just having a casual conversation. I think it was over lunch. It was. It was we were at the beach. On the beach. On the beach, girls. So we're at lunch and we're talking about, we were talking about the upcoming shows we have. And I started talking about near-death experiences, people who have died to come back to share what their story is. And she goes, oh, I got to tell you a story <laughs> what happened to my grandma. So friends, hang on, because I can't wait for you to hear her story. Could you just kind of start from the beginning and Absolutely. Uh, tell us all about it? So my grandmother, Marie, was a extremely Christian woman. Um, told us all kinds of amazing stories when we were younger and when she was having a surgery one time, she actually died. Her heart stopped. And I remember being about 12, 13 years old when she told me this. And she said she remembers being in the operating room and being above herself and being able to see everything in the room, the doctors working on her, everybody trying to get it together to bring her back. And then she drifted off. And she said she saw this amazing green pasture, like nothing green that she has ever seen before. And she remembers her mom and dad being there to welcome her and several relatives and the bright light. Um, she just kept going towards this and she just was elated at everything she was experiencing. She told me that she heard Jesus's voice and I said, how did you know it was Jesus? And she said, I can't explain it. I just knew. And then she said to me, he told her, Marie, you have to go back. Your purpose is not fulfilled. And she told me, I didn't want to go back. And I said, Grandma, why wouldn't you want to come back to us? It was heartbreaking. And she said, Tammy, I want you to think about the most amazing, happiest, peaceful time you've ever felt in your life and then multiply that by a million and you won't even be close she said there are not human words to tell you what i felt or what i experienced but i went back and she said i can only tell you i'm not afraid to die and i can't wait to go to heaven and i felt like her story was given at us so that we would have that little glimpse of 
what we can expect. And God gave us that gift through her. And that's why I think it happened. That is such a great story. And um, how long ago was this? Oh, I was 12 or 13 years old. So that's probably been 40 or 50 years ago, easily. And has she passed since? <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. She passed when I was probably in my 20s. Did you have a different sense of peace knowing the story? Absolutely. I've had a different sense of peace about anybody passing now. It's a sadness, but I feel more uh, celebrating life and celebrating their new journey and their new life. So it's been a completely different feeling. That's why I said it was a gift for when somebody passes. I feel like it's a, you're just moving on to the next life. You know, you get to how incredible for you. You get to see Jesus today. It's not the sadness or the wonder that I had before. Now I know, I know. I mean, it's, it's just beautiful. And I think God gives us these stories. He just doesn't have this happen to your grandma just for the heck of it. You know, he, these are for our benefit. Why? To glorify him, to talk about heaven, to talk about heaven and hell, because there's a hell. Oh, yeah. And um, as we had talked about earlier on the show. So I'm so thankful that um, that God gave you this opportunity. Here's the I story am too. Your grandma. And I've passed it on to my children who will pass it on to their yeah. children. And please pass it on to others as well, because it's I such a cool story. I will. Well, thank you guys. And thank, thank you, you for coming on, Tammy, and sharing this story. There was a bunch of commonalities that you had mentioned that we talked about earlier. Um, just the overwhelming peace, the sense you don't want to come back, a happiness like you can't even explain. Isn't that awesome, guys? When we get Incredible. to the pearly gates, that's what we're going to experience. Whoop, whoop. I can't wait. Love you, Annie. Love you, too. Thanks for having me. Man, man, I just love how God gives me these God appointments. And these stories are amazing. Thank you, Tammy Lane. Thank you, Sherry Reese, for sharing your stories with us. Um, uh, uh, this is real stuff, people. This, you know, people are not making this stuff up. This is real. Life is real. There's, like I said, there's a thin veil between us and the uh, eternal life. Um, what did you uh, pull away from these stories, Lisa? You know, they have some commonalities. That rising above the body, um, the no pain, the beautiful, um, the beautiful scenes, the people. Um, the love of Jesus, that it's wonderful. They don't want to leave. But then there's always that boundary yeah. um, where I love I love that part. That that makes my heart feel good because it, I know my God is sovereign, right? And I know there's a boundary there and that he's in control. So I like I like to hear that in a story. Yeah, those were those were precious. Thanks for sharing those. Well, and we need to remember too that God orchestrates our entrance into this world and our exit. There is no surprise in heaven. Did you notice that, Lisa, that when people were meeting him, you know, the, the parte, you know, when people are meeting him, like they're there, they're ready. They know you're coming. Uh, and yet they were just as disappointed too. It seemed like that you were going back. Um, but how exciting is that? There's no surprise. And, you know, the word sovereignty is kind of a word a lot of us don't use nowadays, um, but God is perfect. He is all knowing. He, he is all the, the beginning and the end. Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. in control, right? He is, he is yeah. absolutely in control. So we shouldn't think for a minute that this didn't pass over his desk and he didn't already know about it. Um, and so I love that. You know, our time has come to an end. It has gone so fast. And we have even more stories than ever to share. Um, but Lisa, I wanted to give you a couple minutes to just kind of conclude with us, to pray with us um, and summarize, you know, some of the stuff that we've talked about. Yeah, well, so I just... I love the stories they have turned. These people have turned their tests, like Don Piper said, into a testimony, their pain into a purpose, and they're using it for God's glory. That makes me feel really good. But there's a part of my heart is a little bit troubled that somebody listening to these stories might think, I've got, you know, I've got some time or I'll, he'll give me a second chance. When I get there, I'll get to decide and, and then I'll get sent back. But that isn't what scripture says. Hebrews 9, um, 27 says we are. We are, um, man is destined to die once and then face judgment. So, and we've learned from the stories we've shared today that it's immediate when you're, when you're there. So I just, um, I just want to pray right now. I just, I've, all of this has led me to really want to pray. So let's, let's just, let's just seek God on this. Lord, it, we know that the more we ignore you, the harder our hearts become and the harder it is for us to hear your voice calling us to repent. And the Bible makes it clear that that we do get harder the longer we put put you off. So I love that you're a God of good news. 
and that Jesus was compassionate to warn us about hell and to tell us about heaven and to speak with us through his Holy Spirit every day. Lord, would you open our eyes to to see you and to hear you, to speak about you, to testify about you, to be good ambassadors. Um, We love you, Jesus, and we want to be useful in your kingdom. So I just pray over each and every person listening that they will look hard into what's happening around them and and see you in the beauty and to share that with others and to bring others the love of Jesus. Um, I just, the good news is, is that, you know, God, you love us. You want to forgive our sins and you want to make us your child forever. And you love us so much that you sent Jesus willingly and he gave his life willingly for us. I pray that anyone listening would turn to him in repentance. You know, you tell him you screwed up, that you don't make that perfect holy mark The good news is, is that God, you love us and you want to forgive our sins. You want to make us your child forever. You love us so much that Christ willingly gave his life for us. So Lord, I pray for anyone listening that they would turn to him in repentance and faith and commit their life to you, Jesus, today. What a day that will be and what a hope we have, you, Jesus, and what a future we have in store. Wow, what you have prepared for us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for this time with Shug. Bless her ministry. Bless the work of her hands. And we love you, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Ooh, friends, I can't wait to see what God does at the pearly gates when I get to see you there. Lisa Angstrom, I love you. Thank you so much for coming on with us. And to the rest of you, I will see you again. This is Shugbury over and out.